What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I believe the only daily NFL podcast in the entire universe. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm Will Brinson, and uh, it's my birthday, so I don't I don't feel like hearing whether I'm right or wrong. Um, as most of you know, we usually have the show out early in the morning. Long story short, had some scheduling issues, so I'm actually recording this podcast on my actual birthday. Happy birthday to me, and I'm doing a solo show. It'll be a quick show today. Uh, we'll run through some news and notes. I'm going to tell you about the MVP candidates I like that you could wager on that are pretty good value. The Westgate just released those on Tuesday night. They did a, a whole host of it, like a huge sheet with, with betting odds for the MVP. There's some interesting things about them. Uh, we will get into that after the break. Um, coming up this week, tomorrow, Thursday, June 27th, we're going to have, talk to uh, Paul Diener, good friend of the program. Uh, the Athletic Cincinnati about the Bengals. Some Bengals in the news right now. Sort of a nightmare for them, but that welcome, welcome to Bengals life. Bengals and Bengals fans and Breach family, everyone else involved in the Bengals. It's unfortunate. Um, and then Friday we'll have a super friend show where we will do, uh, I think we might do a mailbag. Maybe some more mailbag questions. We'll keep it football centric, but if you've got mailbag questions, uh, you want asked, you can, if you're hearing this show in, on the morning on Wednesday, we're probably going to record it pretty early in the week. So you can DM them to me. Uh, you can leave a five-star review. Anyone who leaves a five-star review with a mailbag question on Apple Podcasts will have it answered eventually. We're going to keep rolling out these mailbags because they're, they're just interesting. Like you can ask a, uh, a gambling question, a life question. You can ask, uh, you know, I don't know, a football question, fantasy football question. We'll get them all answered. And if you haven't gotten yours answered, uh, DM me on Twitter or email me at willbrinson.com gmail.com uh, worth noting as you guys know i was on vacation last week um i'm actually be traveling this weekend for my birthday going to red rocks to see a concert for the first time i'll go with my brother and my dad to see widespread panic pretty excited about that um should be should be an interesting little experience and um but uh if i haven't answered your your apple podcast question haven't answered a dm or an email I'm working through it. I just got a slog, a backlog of communication stuff because I've been, you know, on, on vacation and not doing anything. Um, basically, as I pointed out, drinking like 12 beers a day with my brother-in-law. At any rate, by the way, check out the World Series of Poker on CBS.com uh, or the CBS app. You can stream that for, uh, you know, you get a free seven-day trial, I think, with CBS All Access. But we're fired up the uh, the bracelets um, and, and, the, and you can, you can, you can watch them chase for all these bracelets. I, I, I've been watching the World Series of Poker since it, since it started airing, uh, like way back, like 20 years ago. I love it. I think it's awesome. And you can now watch it on CBS.com or CBS app using CBS All Access. Very cool stuff there. Uh, I don't think there's anything else from the show. As I pointed out yesterday in my intro, if if you don't like one show, like one episode of the show, don't go to iTunes and leave a one star review. I can't just email me, say hey man, that sucked, or like hey, try harder. DM me, criticize me in my DMs. I don't care. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm open to like you know uh, constructive criticism, but don't go blow up the iTunes rankings with a one star just because you didn't like Prisco and Brady. Nobody likes Prisco and Brady. Except if you listen to Mailbag, you know that we secretly all love, all, all love Prisco. Uh, in the news, as I mentioned, the Bengals first round pick, and we're going to talk about Paul, we'll talk to Paul Diener about this, um, tomorrow. 
But uh, Jonah Williams, their first-round pick, pres- presumptive starting left tackle, is likely to miss the entire 2019 season with shoulder surgery. What a blow for the Bengals, who have not had the best luck um, when it comes to their first-round picks over the past few years. Just to run through them, 2015, Cedric Ogbui. 11 games missed the knee. I'm getting this from Field Yates of ESPN, who helpfully tweeted this out while on his honeymoon. Go go celebrate your wedding, Field. Uh, William Jackson, 2016, towards Peck before the season. Didn't play a single game. John Ross played 17 total snaps and zero catches in 2017. Some of that was injury. Some of that was just John Ross not being ready to play. And Marvin Lewis. Uh, Billy Price had a foot injury, and he had a tour at Peck uh, before, the, uh, before the draft. In 2018, and he only played six games, and now Jonah Williams likely to play zero games. That is incredible bad luck. Whether it's a result of actual bad luck with players, whether it's a result of an inability to diagnose potential guys who deal with injuries coming out, coming into the draft, or whether it's guys getting in with the training staff at Cincinnati, um, I don't know the answer to it, but that is five straight years. For the first, your first round pick is going to miss significant time. It's not like we're talking about bad players here. I mean, we don't know what Jonah Williams will be, but William Jackson's fantastic. Um, boy, he was fine. John Ross, I, I still think there's a chance he can produce. You know, I think you got to give these wide receivers three years. Billy Price, a good player. That's rough, man. It's, and it's, it's going to be really hard in a division that, as we have covered multiple times, is already very difficult. Uh, Zach Taylor, head coach, 35 year old. He might be, I don't, he's younger than me. I know that. We look forward to Jonah being a major contributor in the future, and we know that he won't let this injury deter him from still being an important part of the team. We're confident in our offensive line personnel as we head into training camp, and we believe they can do their part in helping this team achieve its goals. That doesn't sound that exciting. Um, Jack Del Rio in the news. The former Jaguars and Raiders coach was on ESPN 960, and uh <laughs> this is... This is classic, like, uh, 2020 hindsight, if, you know, for a former head coach. But, I, I, I'll buy into it. Uh, he, according to Del Rio, he was going to get something to eat. Dead serious. And, um, in the 2000, during, during the 2011 draft, he was at the Jaguars, going to get a snack, maybe load up on some Q, maybe get some sushi, who knows. Um, I, I, I have no idea what Jack Del Rio eats. Like, what do you think the, what do you think Jack Del Rio's favorite meal is? Cause he's a fit guy. I know he's over in Italy on a vacation this, this offseason. Um, but he's a big dude. It's 2011. It's the draft. You're probably not eating super healthy, right? And there's probably catered at the, at the, at the Jaguar stadium. So I'm thinking like turkey sub, maybe. Uh, anyway, I had no idea we were going to draft Blaine Gabbert, Del Rio said on Tuesday. No idea. In fact, I left to go get something to eat because our pick wasn't for much longer in the draft. I go, and then I'm sitting there filling my plate thinking, oh, great, we got a couple more hours until we pick. Then I see the Jaguars are on the clock. I'm like, what the blank is going on? I walk into the draft room. I can see on the faces of the people in the room. They knew how uncomfortable that was, how wrong that was. And they took they traded up to draft Blaine Gabbert, traded with the Redskins, who would go down and get, I think, Ryan Kerrigan. Um, and then the Jaguars would take uh, – uh, Blaine Gabbert, one pick in front of the Texans, who took J.J. Watt. Whoops. He wasn't a first-rounder, Del Rio told ESPN 690. 
He wasn't a guy to trade and go up to get him. So that was not part of coaching. That was not part of me. That was my first indication that my time there in Jayville was running short. Yes, that is a good indication that your time is running short. And that is uh, rather unfortunate if you are uh, Jack Del Rio. It's, I mean, it's just brutal because you're, you're sitting there thinking like, you know, well, all right, we might get uh, – I don't know if you want a J.J. Watt. I mean, that's the hindsight. I'm good for Jack Del Rio for not saying we were targeting J.J. Watt or we were targeting Ryan Kerrigan. That's who I wanted. I love those guys coming out. Maybe I mean, unless he said I missed it. Um, it's easy to look at and say, all right, you know, uh, you know, like I wanted J.J. Watt instead of Blaine Gabbert, and, and they screwed me. Gene Smith, a loser on this side of history, one of the worst drafters in the history of football. I mean, this, this guy was a, a clown show for Jacksonville. A disaster in terms of his picks over the final few years, and, and it's really set Jacksonville back a long way, and that's part of why they struggle now. Uh, also, Blake Portals. Um, our pal Jason Lockenfora is down at the NFL Quarterback Coaching Summit. Um, this is being hosted in Atlanta by the NFL and the Black College Football Hall of Fame. It's actually pretty cool that they are they're trying to sort of look at the diversity that goes on with head coaches and hiring and all of that, and and. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of different people down there, uh, including Eric Bieniemy. He said, uh, here's my response about the play calling when asked if he would be calling plays for the Chiefs this year. Coach Reed has always done it his way, and that's how historically he's done it because he's Coach Reed. He has a beautiful mind, and we all work hand-in-hand hand together. And he gives me the green light to do a number of things. I have input. I do scripts. I get the install. There's a number of things I do. Um, look, Andy Reed can call the plays. That's fine. That's what he, that's what he does. You know? I mean, he... Andy Reid works with the quarterback. That's what he's always done his whole career. And he's helped his coaches, whether, you know, um, whether it's Doug Peterson or Matt Nagy. And Nagy, remember, took over play calling, um, in the 2017 season when the Chiefs were sort of struggling halfway through with Alex Smith. Uh, Nagy took over and, and, and then he led, uh, and then, you know, had that collapse in the playoffs, but otherwise it was pretty good. So it's, it's possible that, um, that, you know, you could see Bienemy take over, but it is also very possible that uh Bienemy could end up getting a head coaching job if the Chiefs offense is great again this year. He interviewed last season with the Jets, Buccaneers, Bengals, and Dolphins. And that's via uh, Vaughn McClure from ESPN, those quotes uh from Bienemy. Not I mean not a ton going on. Oh, I oh I need to point this out. Um my uh my pals over at the Around the NFL podcast uh talked about this on, on their show. From, I think, Monday, Dan Hansis and, uh, and crew, um, discussed this. Rich Eisen wrote about this on, uh, pro, uh, pro football morning in America or football morning in America as while filling in for, uh, for Peter King, who's on vacation and happy 50th birthday to Rich Eisen. But they, uh, they, he pointed out that when Al Riveron, they have this NFL media talent summit out in Santa Monica or somewhere. And Al Riveron, the, the VP of officiating, um, basically broke down a bunch of different calls that will be, uh, used in 2019, like examples of, of how they're going to adjudicate pass interference and replay with pass interference in 2019. And some of the concerns that came out of this, and I think it's very viable concerns as we head into the, the offseason, it, it's going to, it's going to depend a lot on how they actually handle it once the games get started, because you, you, you have heard, um, you have heard them talk about like, ah, oh, we're going to do this and this and this, and then they just don't do it. 
or last season and last year in the preseason when they were like, they're like throwing flags all over the place for, for certain uh, defensive hits. And then they just didn't do it in the, in, in the regular season. So it's, it's hard to tell how the refs are going to handle things once the actual game action happens. But, as both the uh, around the NFL guys who were in the room and Rich Eisen pointed out, one of the concerns and one of the bag of worms that 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 the NFL has opened here is that if uh, the example that they used was on the touchdown play to Mike Williams in Week 15 when the Chargers and Chiefs were playing late in that game, incredible comeback by Philip Rivers and the Chargers. They storm down. Uh, I think they have a third and a ten. And Mike Williams gets wide open in the right side of the end zone, right? Or maybe that was the, the, the extra point, whatever it was. Anyway, he catches a touchdown. Kendall Fuller's all, all over him. Um, oh, I know, I know, excuse me. Mike Williams is in the end zone. Kendall Fuller flagged for pass interference. Chargers then score a touchdown and, and end up winning the game. But what would have happened was on that play, it would have been whistled for review because it was uh, an important play under two minutes, right? The, the, the refs would have taken a look at it. And it would have been determined that, yes, in fact, Kendall Fuller did commit defensive pass interference. However, because the play was reviewable, anything that was reviewable on the play would then be reviewed. Does that make sense? So, like, if any, once you open up a play to review with pass interference, anything that happened in that play can also be reviewed. And that's important in this case because there was also offensive pass interference by Williams on the play. In other words, it, they wouldn't have confirmed that Kittle Fuller committed defensive pass interference and given the Chargers a first down on the one. They would have said there was also offensive pass interference, which wasn't flagged, and those are offsetting penalties third down on the 10. And it's a totally different ball game, and maybe the Chiefs win it. And it, it doesn't matter for the standings in terms of – um whether or not the, the Chiefs win the division because they won the division and the Chiefs got the first overall, uh, a seed in the AFC and, and, you know, they would have, they got that anyway, right? Um, yeah, they, they would have gotten that anyway with winning. The Chargers though might have, what if the Chargers lose that game? They lose to Baltimore the next week. Eh, I don't know. Maybe they missed the playoffs. It, it, it could have changed the landscape. And more importantly, what's going to happen in 2019 with, with the opening up of this can of worms where somebody will be, uh, f- uh, will basically be flagged after the fact on a play that they weren't flagged on. Um, it's worth reading the, the article and worth, uh, I, around the NFL is a great podcast, worth listening to them because they, they were in the room and they can sort of discuss how Riveron broke it down. And it, look, it, it was pass interference on Mike Williams, but you know, it's, it's a little weird to, to, for somebody to get flagged for something that, that they weren't you know, like, like basically you're, you're, I don't it's just, it's hard to explain. Like you're basically opening up the pass to flag somebody for something that wasn't originally flagged. And I get that you want to get the calls right. And that's what you should do. You can't, shouldn't be like, well, that's offensive pass interference, but it's not reviewable because we're reviewing something else. Like I, I, I don't agree with that. At the same time, man, that would have uh, caused quite a bit of consternation in both Kansas City and Los Angeles when they were making that ruling. Some other examples that they used in there too that are worth, that are worth listening to. Uh, but it's, it's, it's gonna, it could be a mess. We got a can of worms on our hands. Um, got a can of worms. Got a can of, uh, MVP candidates. Uh, whatever. 
uh, on our hands too. After the break, I will tell you, uh, the, I think we have five names that you might consider betting on, uh, five sleepers to bet on for the 2019 season coming up next. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, so the Las Vegas Westgate, Superbook Westgate Las Vegas, they've renamed it, rebranded as the Supergate, Superbook, excuse me, Superbook Westgate Las Vegas. It's super, you know, it's hard. It's my birthday, leave me alone. It's early in the morning. I'm already drinking. They released their MVP odds on June 25th, 2019 for the 2019 NFL season. I'm going to point out a couple of things about this podcast, and this is why you should tell your friends to listen to this podcast and why you should listen to this podcast. One, last year, RJ White was on this program and we had, uh, we did, we'll do this again, uh, once we get closer to the season, but me and RJ did, I think we had John Breach and maybe Jared Dubin on too. We did an article about it, but we got a uh, $1,000 to spend before the season on future bets. And the goal is to see who could win the most money. RJ was adamant that Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs was good value to win the MVP award. You knew if you read my over-under, you knew you hammered the Chiefs over, you hammered the Chiefs to win the division. We talked about that in the podcast, too, for the futures. And you made a bunch of money because Patrick Mahomes cruised to the MVP award. So you should be considering that. Number two... If you listen to this podcast a few weeks or maybe a month ago, I was telling you that Ben Roethlisberger was uh, listed at 50 to 1 offshore to win uh, MVP and that that was great value and you should jump on it if you could. That is no mas. He is uh, now, as the Westgate has released, Patrick Mahomes, of course, obviously the favorite to win the award. Ben Roethlisberger down to 25 to 1. Um, and so I'm going to run through basically the list of guys and – not, I'm not going to run through every single one because, you know, you, you get, you get out of, you know, get out of range pretty quickly. Uh, like I'm not going to talk about why Damian Williams at 200 to one is not a good value. You don't bet on Damian Williams to win the MVP or AJ Green. Um, Todd Gurley at 100 to one. Probably don't bet on him, but maybe, maybe we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, first of all, the favorites, Patrick Mahomes four to one. You cannot possibly bet on him, uh, at four to one. 
that's it's too high. It's it's just it's just too expensive, right? I mean, you're talking about like I don't I don't th- th- here's why. Mahomes threw for 5,000 passing yards and 50 touchdowns last year, as we talked about with Brooke Pryor earlier in the week, likely due for some statistical regression, even if it's 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns, okay? Like, he also was the clear-cut winner last year. Voter fatigue sets in quickly. Guys, don't, Voters don't want to vote for the same guy two years in a row unless it's an absolutely dominant performance. If no one else shows up this year and no other team has a huge season, and Patrick Mahomes throws for 4,000 yard, 4,500 passing yards and, and 45 touchdowns. Yes, he could win it again, but no, four to one is not worth that value. So pass on Patrick Mahomes. If he lights it up without Tyreek Hill, without Kareem Hunt, and no one else shows up, you know, tip your cap and move on. Aaron Rodgers, eight to one and Andrew Luck, eight to one. I, I just don't think there's not any value to me in betting on someone to win the MVP at anything below 10 to one, their favorites, right? I mean, like Andrew Luck had a great year last year, but as we talked about with Zach Kiefer on this podcast, the Colts are probably going to try and run the ball more. I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he could get, he could get MVP buzz if they win 12 games and he has four, you know, again, 4,000 yards or 4,500 yards, 40 passing touchdowns certainly could win MVP, but eight to one is not that great a value to me. Um, same thing. Rogers, I don't hate Rogers at eight to one. Because if he has a big bounce back here in a new system and, and lights it up, he could definitely win. Um, I'm just not spending an eight to one ticket on 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 MVP, especially when you're talking about a human element that comes into play with 50 voters voting on these guys. Uh, Carson Wentz and Drew Brees at 10 to one, and Tom Brady at 12 to one. I will uh, pass on all those guys as well. I just think Brees and Brady. Brees could get a sentimental vote, but 10 to one is. I'd be looking for. I'd, I'd want a better price. Um, especially considering how Breeze looked down the stretch last year. Brady, we think, I think at least, that they're going to run the ball a ton. I don't think he's going to win it. He'll be in the conversation. But if, you know, like if somebody like Wentz has a great year, voters want to give it to the new guy who hadn't gotten it before. So Wentz, certainly a candidate, 10 to 1, though, that's that's a bit expensive for a guy who has been injured a bunch. Um, remember, even in his MVP season of, uh would-be MVP season of 2017, he got hurt and Nick Foles had to save them and win the Super Bowl. At 14 to 1, Philip Rivers and Russell Wilson. This is really interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet these either. I like both guys. Duh. Um, but I wouldn't bet either one of these. Again, I'm looking for 20 to 1 or more if I'm going to bet on somebody for MVP. And, but R- Rivers and Wilson are interesting because I think if you look, um, maybe on a local or on offshore, you'll find that those guys are 25 to 1. Instead of that, uh, yeah, I've got Icy Rivers here at 30 to 1 and Russell Wilson at 25 to 1. So that's an interesting, like, that to me, if you get Rivers at 30 to 1 or Russell Wilson at 25 to 1, I get down with that. That's a different story. 14 to 1, no thanks. Um, but 25 and 30, respectively, for Russell Wilson and, and Phillip Rivers, that's a much better value. I, I, I don't mind that at all. I know Russell, they're going to run the ball a bunch and Rivers, um, you know, it would be, Rivers would be almost like a breeze, like, you know, uh, fan sentiment where, or not fan sentiment, but like an honorary award where Rivers has never won it. The Chargers win 12 or 13 games, take the division. Melvin Gordon has a great year, good year, but not a great year. Rivers throws for, you know, 40, again, 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns. You know, it's very possible. I don't hate 30 to one at all. Wouldn't touch 14 to one. Roethlisberger, 
Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, 25 to 1. Again, Baker Mayfield, interesting because if you look at, um, the offshore numbers and if you look at the numbers that have been released by Vegas earlier in the offseason, Baker's more like 12 to 1 or 14 to 1. He's one of the top favorites. Uh, whereas Russell, again, Russell Wilson, Philip Rivers, way down. Baker suddenly, I don't know that I, I, I don't want Baker at 25 to 1. I just think a lot has to go right for him to win it, but, I, I like him a lot, obviously like him a lot better 25 to one than 12 to one. I think it is interesting that the Westgate, which is considered a very sharp NFL book, has bumped him down and Rivers and Wilson up. People would love to reward Baker, but the Browns are going to have to win 10 games and win the division. You're basically betting on who, like Roethlisberger or, or Mayfield, you know, one of them has to win the division. Like if, if, if that team finishes as a wild card, it's not happening. So, you know, factor that in when you're thinking about that bet if you want to make it. Um, now into the long shot. So those are all the guys under 25 uh, to 1. Everybody else starts at 60 to 1. And I got to tell you, there's a name out here that stunned me when I saw it um, because I think it is fantastic value. Offshore, uh, I see him at 20 or local. I see him at 20 to 1 to Sean Watson. At the Westgate right now, he is 60 to 1. Hello, I love that. And I, look, I know, I know if you, you listen to this podcast, you know that I took the Texans on the under and I don't think the Texans are a great over bet. And I don't think Deshaun Watson with his protection is, uh, is necessarily, you know, I think there's a lot of hype surrounding him and it might not necessarily result in, um, you know, the success that people hope for. Like people are projecting him as QB one in fantasy and that's fine, but 60 to one to win the MVP for Deshaun Watson. It's a guy who is put up monster stats. Um, if he plays behind a bad offensive line, if the Texans win that division and topple the Colts and Jaguars and Titans, uh, he's going to get serious MVP buzz. He's got to play 16 games, but 16, 60 to one is a steal for Deshaun Watson. If you can get that, I would hammer it. Look, that's the same price for Zeke Elliott. Okay. That's a good value. 60 to 1, I'd much rather have Deshaun Watson than a running back. It's the same price for Jared Goff and Cam Newton, who, by the way, I don't hate it 60 to 1. If you think Gurley's going to be a non-factor this year, and the Rams will be great again, and Jared Goff can, can be the reason why, Goff is a good bet. People will downgrade him a little bit because of, you know, Sean McVay's system, but he should put up monster numbers again. I mean, he's, he had a huge year last year. Bad, bad stretch down. Down the end, but a huge year. Cam Newton, 60 to 1. I, I don't mind a flyer on that. If he, um, if he's healthy and he plays and the Panthers win that division, Cam's going to get serious MVP buzz. And like, he's won the MVP before. And I get that it was kind of a weird year, but that means that people trust him. Like it's a trustable name. You're not going out on the limb to say like, Oh, can Cam Newton be MVP? Of course he can. He's already won it. It would be weird if Cam Newton won two MVPs. I don't think it'll happen, but 60 to 1 is not bad value. Um, can, you know, so those are your 60 to 1 guys. Deshaun is the clear cut value there for me. New face, electrifying player. Um, Texans can easily win a bunch of games. He'll have overcome obstacles with that offensive line. Um, doesn't have a great running game to lean on. Has DeAndre Hopkins, but you got to remember too, I should have mentioned this at the top. Quarterbacks are probably going to win MVP. We've seen Todd Gurley get involved. Uh, we've seen Adrian Peterson win the award. We've seen, you know, Sean Alexander's won the award, LaDainian Tomlinson. They, they, these guys can win it. Don't be wrong. I think LT won it, right? Didn't he win it? Or did he not win it? He might not have won it. In fact, I don't think he did win it. Yep. No, he did win it. 2006. Excuse me. Um, I'm an idiot as always. Uh, but yeah, like running backs back in the day can win it and AP can get like a special season from a running back can get it for you. 
But you got to have a, a, a enormous year. Wide receivers aren't going to get it because it's going to default to the quarterback, right? So don't, you know, don't do that. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I might say Cam Newton too, would headline two of the top five or six guys that I would want to bet on. Alvin Kamara, 80 to one. Matthew Stafford, 80 to one. Christian McCaffrey at 80 to one. Jimmy Garoppolo. Kirk Cousins at 80 to one. Saquon Barkley at 80 to one. I think those guys are all pretty hard pass for me. If Jimmy G has a, a huge year and the 49ers are good, he could easily win it. Um, I think that's expecting a little too much of a leap. I don't mind Cousins. I just think people don't like Cousins and won't want to, won't want to, um, won't want to reward him. But if the Vikings win 13 games and are a really good team and he operates in that Kubiak system the way that he should and he wins, he has to win some big games in primetime for that to happen. I don't mind Cousins at 80 to one. I think. You know, he's a guy with stats that should make him a 40 to 1 guy. And so you're getting value there. Uh, Barkley, the Giants would have to win that division or, or make the playoffs, um, with Barkley having a huge year to do that. So, eh, I'm not really, not really bullish on that. Uh, Dak Prescott at 100 to 1. Now that's value, especially if the Cowboys don't pay him this year, this offseason. He's playing for a contract and he's playing with a great running game. We have seen, again, you go back to the quarterback thing, the Cowboys, the, the voters rewarded Dak Prescott over Zeke Elliott for rookie of the year, even though Zeke was probably more valuable for that Cowboys team, uh, in, in their first year in 2016. And so I think Dak at 100 to one, if the Cowboys, the Cowboys have a good team, they have a good roster. If everything clicks and, and they win the, the NFC, uh, East and they win 12 or 13 games and Dak has a really clean season with no interceptions and he plays like he did down the stretch last year. A hundred to one is really good value. I would put Dak as one of the best bets if I was, if I was, if I was laying, if I, if you gave me 150 bucks, so I can bet on, let's say I can bet 25 bucks on, uh, six guys. I'm putting 25 on Dak. Put 25 on Deshaun, 25 on Dak. I'm going to hold off on putting 25 on Kirk Cousins so I finish running through these names. Um, elsewhere at a hundred to one, right? Like Sam Darnold. I don't mind Sam Darnold at a hundred to one. If the Jets take a big leap forward and challenge the Patriots, and Sam Darnold has a big second season. They, these second year guys can, can win the, can win the MVP. I mean, that's the same price as Sony Michelle. What the hell is he doing there? Dude just had knee surgery. Sony Michelle at 101? Get out of here. Aaron Donald's 101? I don't, I don't hate that either. If the Rams are great, Jared Goff's okay, and Donald, people want to give Donald the MVP. They want to go defensive player if nobody has a big year. I would want more like 200 to 1 if I was betting on a defensive player though. Khalil Mack, Von Miller, JJ Watt, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, what do you, Miles Garrett, all 100 to 1. Um, just don't bet on a defensive player to win MVP. It never happens. It's, it's more than a 100 to 1 shot. You would need a lot of things to go your way for that to happen. Um, Antonio Brown, Derek Carr, both 100 to 1. I could actually see Antonio Brown winning if Derek Carr is a huge year, but people want to reward Carr. I, I, I you know how I feel about Derek Carr. I, I wouldn't bet on that, but I mean, if you love Carr, go for it. Uh, Jameis Winston. 100 to 1. Julio, I, that's actually not a terrible bet if Bruce Arians clicks. I'm not buying it, but worth noting. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. If the Ravens win that division and Lamar Jackson has a huge year, it could happen. 100 to 1's not terrible there. Julio Jones, 100 to 1. Don't bet on a wide receiver. Um, Marcus Mariota, 100 to 1. Eh. Melvin Gordon, Michael Thomas. I said I wouldn't get a runner through all these. I guess I am. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, 200 to 1. Give me all the Mitchell Trubisky stock. I will bet on Mitchell Trubisky at 200 to 1. So I'm going to take Deshaun Watson 60 to 1, Dak Prescott 100 to 1, Mitchell Trubisky 200 to 1. I sort of want to take a flyer on Nick Foles at 200 to 1 too. 
Um, just because, and like, once you get in this realm of 200 or plus, you need something to really break right for the player. And, and you know, it's more than likely not going to be a quarterback, right? I mean, you're probably going to get Devonta Freeman is 200 to one. Like, what do you think is more likely that Devonta Freeman runs for 2000 rushing yards and the Falcons win a ton of games and they give the MVP to Devonta Freeman over Matt Ryan or that the Bears defense take us, takes a step back. The offense takes a step forward and they, they win the division again to win 12 games. I would say the latter. And so I will definitely take, uh, Mitchell Trubisky at 200 to one for, for a unit there. So I've got three units in on Mitchell Trubisky. I'm only betting on quarterbacks. I'm not messing around with anybody else. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, Dak Prescott. Who else did I say? I've lost control. Uh, Mr. Trubisky, Dak Prescott, and Deshaun Watson, of course. Uh, so I need three more. I'll take Sam Darnold at 100 to 1. And I will take, ugh. I'll take Lamar Jackson at 100 to 1 against my better, against my better judgment. And, uh, then I'll, I'll throw 25 on Ben Roethlisberger at, 20, at 25 to 1 as well. I still think there's value there. He's being treated like a second tier quarterback. Matt Ryan has some value too. So does Baker Mayfield at 25 to one. Um, those guys are, are upper tier quarterbacks, right? So, uh, so that's what we'll do. We'll do Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Darnold at 100 to one, Dak Prescott at 100 to one, Mitchell Trubisky at 200 to one, and, um, and then we'll do, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson at 60 to one. Deshaun's listed like at the wrong spot. I think because I don't know why they, maybe they, they got him listed with a bunch of running backs. Makes no sense. Anyway, those are the MVP picks. Follow my advice. Rake in the cash. We'll be back. Oh, Lamar Jackson, a hundred to one. That's the other one. I, I kind of want to take Baker Mayfield at 25 to one instead, but I'll, I'll go with the value. If the Ravens win that division, Lamar Jackson is going to get buzzed for it. If he takes a huge step forward in Greg Roman's system, who knows? Um, plus Lamar Jackson could put together a 2015 Cam Newton like season. If he, if he improves his accuracy and he runs the ball a ton and doesn't get injured, I, you know, I'm not high on that, that team this year, but I don't mind that at all in terms of that value at 100 to 1. So, uh, that's what I'm rolling with for my MVP picks, my early MVP picks. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Bengals with Paul Daner and then, uh, Friday for a Super Friend Show. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks as always, guys. Mm-hmm.